Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. You can remember Rick from ESPN now with FS1. He also hosts On the Ball with Rick Buecher, the podcast, which you have to check out. Uh, it was awesome to have Rick on the show today. We're going to be talking about things around the league, uh, such as also, you know, maybe how they could fix the All-Star game. LeBron breaking the NBA's all-time scoring record. Who should be the MVP this year? Who might be taking home the NBA Finals? Uh, and then also... You know, we're going to talk some Pacers, be highlighting what he thinks of Tyrese Halliburton. And if Rick was to put his GM hat on, how would he be able to fix the Pacers? Or what would he do uh, this upcoming draft with the Pacers? Four picks in the top 31. Would he trade some of those picks? Use the picks? Only Rick can let you know that. So we will be right back. We're bringing on Rick Buecher. All right, everybody, we are back, and we are joined by a very special guest. You can catch him on FS1. You can also catch him hosting On the Ball with Rick Buecher. It's Rick Buecher himself. Rick, how are you? I'm good, Michael. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, very happy to have you on the show, making your Setting the Pace debut. Rick, you know, you've been covering the NBA for quite some time. The league continues to get younger and younger. However, yeah. This past year, it feels like it's a bit more wide open than in the past when we had old rivalries of maybe Golden State and Cleveland. Do you feel there's something lost without those rivalries, or is there maybe uh, an interest in having the league more wide open? Well, traditionally, the NBA works better when there are rivalries and when there's uh, a, a team or one or two teams in which everybody's gunning for. That's just... That's the way it works. That's the way it has the most appeal with a mainstream audience. I think for hardcore basketball fans, they like it when it's uh, it's a little more competitive, when there's a little more balance. It just depends on what your what your perspective is. If you're if you're working it as a business from the NBA perspective, then having the Golden State Warriors kicking everybody's ass and everybody trying to knock them off and find the next Steph Curry and the next Draymond Green. That's the business model that works. If you're in uh, Phoenix or Oklahoma City or uh, w- Milwaukee and 
You like the idea of your team having a shot at winning a championship, uh, it, even if they're not going to dominate for years. And uh, then then you're going to look at it from a from a different perspective. I think that uh, to your point about the team, the 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 uh, league getting younger, uh, I, I do believe that we're at this inflection point now where we're seeing the last generation of established stars sort of turn the corner into the home stretch and we're getting this new uh, legion of young stars that are trying to prove themselves and and we're, we're right at that we're at, right at that cross point but I also think that there are some rivalries they may have been you know sort of microwaved but uh, you know I, I'm, I'm hoping that we get to see a Dallas uh, a, a Dallas Phoenix, playoff series. I'm hoping that we get to see a 76ers Milwaukee or Milwaukee Boston um playoff series. And and because I I just think that they've that it's not like there's a a years and years there's not history there, but those rivalries have become spicy pretty quickly. Oh, it definitely, the theatrics recently, especially Devin Booker, Luka Doncic going out a little bit at the end of the game, it adds to it. And I like to think that, you know, Golden State and Cleveland was kind of like my generation's version of, you know, yep. the, the Lakers and Celtics, where, yep. where they're, they're meeting all the time. And that's lost. I mean, being a diehard Indiana Pacer fan right now, I can't tell you who our rival is. Am I still yeah. holding on to the bad blood with the Pistons of about 20 years ago? Where can't am I? Really. It, you can't. It's yeah. none of the players have been through it. None of them even were they were infants actually when that was going on. So yeah. a lot has changed, and that comes with the increase of the player movement. But um, you know, stats right now, they're getting thrown out left and right. Every it feels like there's a new record every day. And I know that yeah. you were recently covering <laughs> How, you know, Jokic's triple doubles are actually leading to winning. I believe the Nuggets are 25-0 and 0 this year when he has had a triple double, and they are in first place in the West. Does that feel like this could cement his third straight MVP? Because I know you mentioned, I think you previously hadn't voted for him the first two times yeah. around. Yeah, I haven't filled out my ballot, and I've, and, I've, and I've thought about it some just because there's a lot of debate, and I just wrote a piece <clears> – <throat> about uh, the uh, the voting process. And I talked to players and coaches about how they define MVP and whether their perspective, how it might differ from, from the media and media results. So I've been giving this uh, some thought, and but I still haven't decided if Jokic is going to be at the top of my ballot or Giannis Antetokounmpo is or I have to give it a little more reflection as to whether, you know, somebody else could jump in there. One, one guy, one, one player that a lot of players mentioned was Jason Tatum, which I'm not getting from any place else, but um, you know, not to, not to give away the the piece that I wrote, but both Draymond Green and Andre Iguodala were guys who said Jason Tatum would be their pick for MVP. And I like kind of surprised me based on how Jason, first of all, they beat his ass in the finals yep. and, and they've, he hasn't fared all that well against them in the two games they played this year. Boston ended up winning the second game and Tatum kind of got it together toward the end, but it's not as if he showed out against them. So I found that as a, as a little bit of a surprise, a bit of a surprise. And if you want to know the explanation, then you're going to have to go to my piece on foxsports.com and, and, and find out. But um, 
Yeah, I, this is, so the triple doubles and the connection to winning is, the winning is important um, and his role in it is important. I don't automatically look at triple triple doubles and say, well, that, def that says definitively he's the reason that they're winning. And I think that, that that is why there's been some pushback on is Jokic truly MVP worthy? Because unlike a lot of the traditional guys we think of who have been MVPs, you're putting the ball in their hands and they're going to win you the game. If, they, if there's five seconds left, there's no question. Kevin Durant's going to have the ball in his hands. Steph Curry's going to have the ball in his hands. LeBron's going to have the ball in his hands, right? Jokic may have the ball in his hands, but more likely than not, he may not be taking the shot. And he's not even aggressively like looking to get the shot. So I don't... I... This is where I struggle because I don't hold it against him. But I do think that that's an important element. And, and I think it's why no one quite buys in to the Denver Nuggets being a title contender. Because what you're essentially saying is when you get into close games, Jokic, your best player winning it, it's – is Michael Porter Jr. going to get the – is he going to make the shot when Jokic kicks it to him? Because chances are he's going to kick it to him if he's mm -hmm. open. Or Jamal Murray or whoever else may it be. It may be. So you're – and this is always my issue with LeBron. Like, LeBron, you have the physical advantage to create the best shot. I, you know, basketball purists aside, and I know I'm talking probably to an Indiana audience – um, I, I screw playing the right basketball play, right? The right basketball play for me, particularly when it comes to professional basketball, is my highest paid best player is taking the responsibility on his shoulders to freaking win the game. Now, if he gets double, if he gets if if he gets swarmed. And I'm Michael Jordan, and I'm giving a 15-footer to Steve Kerr. Okay, there's, but let's keep in mind, that's the exception, not the rule, right? I want first and foremost my best player going to hunt his shot because that's why he's my best player. And, and that definitely is the difference of like a Jason Tatum or anything like that. But I, these triple doubles, that's not just boxed into triple doubles. These feel different than the Russell Westbrook of MVP pass as the sixth seed, you know, out there. So at least it is translating to winning. But that is exactly why I don't buy into the Nuggets as a true contender this year, because we haven't we've seen them in the conference finals a couple of years ago. But at yeah. this point, who's taking that last shot? I don't know if they know. You know, it, it seems like a, whoever has the best look at it, and that typically doesn't work when you're looking to win a championship. Yeah. So I'm with you on that. But one guy that you did talk about is Jason Tatum. Now, let's talk about the All-Star game because, and it was a couple weeks ago, Tatum puts up 55. But that was one of the worst All-Star games I've seen in, <laughs> maybe in my life. And the, the viewership showed also. It, the viewership plummeted. There was people were dodging each other like they were trying to dodge – COVID or someone trying yeah. to sell you something on the side of the street. 
Is there any way to fix the all-star game or is it slowly going to become the NFL Pro Bowl? Yeah, they keep tinkering with it, right? They, I mean, they, they changed the scoring format in order to make it, to, you know, try to to build some more competition into and it. And charity, I thought that would help a little bit, but... Yeah, all of that is, they're, they're, they're sort of temporary fixes. You know, the truth of it is, it just, it doesn't mean that much. Winning right now doesn't mean that much. And I think some of it, you know, we all like that they pick teams. But I think that took one of the elements of competitive spirit out of it, which is who's the better conference. And yeah, some people have suggested that that the winner should be um, should have home court advantage in the finals, like that there, there should be something on the line. And mm-hmm. and so I, I don't know necessarily the answer to it, but it's it's a it's a microcosm of a, of a bigger problem, which is that players, uh, our mentality today undervalues winning in general. Mm-hmm. Like we we anoint players as superstars and they get all the requisite rewards of that. Uh, shoe deals and max contracts and endorsements. And they haven't won. They haven't come close to winning. And, and, that's not the media and that's not the league that's fans that's fans who are looking at zion williamson and are in love with his youtube uh dunks and saying and and, and rewarding him and then saying well he's going to be one of the all-time greats right before he's go. done anything in the league and so i i just think the all-star uh game is a is a byproduct of that for the players, it's like, well, I'm an all-star. Like, nobody cares whether I win the game or not. I know. Nobody cares whether I, you know, I'm I'm Luka Doncic and I go, I mean, not that long ago. Like, Kobe is one-on-one with Michael Jordan. It's a moment. It, it was real. And it's a moment because it means something to them. Mm-hmm. Right? You think anybody in today, like, anybody? That's why, like, Russ Westbrook gets a hard time. I I was it was a couple of years ago last time he was an All Star like Russ came out and he clearly wanted to be uh, All Star MVP. Yep. He was just going after it from the very start, and people were like, "God, you he's he's trying to win MVP, right?" Like it was a bad thing. And I'm like, I know. At least he cares. Like <laughs> at least he's he's trying to to win something here. And, and to to your point on that. LeBron ends up blocking Shea Gilgis Alexander. And afterwards, Shea's talking about, oh, I got something for you next time. I didn't know we're playing like that. It's like, are you mad because someone played defense on you in a game? Have we fallen that far? And then when when asked, what can we do to fix this? He's saying, I don't know, maybe incorporate more money in it. More money? You guys are, I mean, come on. You know, it it shouldn't have to be like that. This is for the fans. This is the all-star game. But one thing that you also talked about uh, a couple, maybe about a week or two ago, was like you kind of debunked a little bit about Damian Lillard scoring seventy-one points because Rick, it's happened twice this year. Seventy-one yeah. points. It, it feels like it doesn't mean what it used to, and I feel like it's quickly being forgotten. Where someone scores seventy-one, maybe it makes the news, uh, you know, for a couple of days, and then we yeah. move on with our lives. At this point, do we think someone might score a hundred points? Oh. maybe with the next ten years, maybe a little bit. Oh, more? it's not going to take that long. 
It's not going to take that where, long. That's I, what I, mean, I, I, I Honestly, in the next, I think the next year or two, you could see somebody who who just, you know, gets on one. And we've seen how quickly Clay Thompson in his prime could score 30 points in a quarter. So it's very doable. Um, yeah, I have, I have, I have no doubt that someone's going to, I mean, just, you, I guarantee you there's guys right now thinking, oh, I, got, I can beat 71. And it's just going to keep raising the bar when it comes to that. And the way the game is officiated now and the shooting ability that we see of the players, you know, between being able to get to the free throw line 20 times a game, being able to shoot 15 threes and nobody is blinking an eye, it's, uh, it, it, yeah, the, the path is set for that to happen. This, this year, the last time I checked, we have six players who are averaging 30 points or more. That's never happened in the history of the NBA. And we've had some years where teams were averaging like 100, you know, 118, 120, the 70s. Like it was an open run and gun type, type uh, game. And we never reached that individually because that's the other part is it's become more star centric than ever. The usage rates, uh, you know, the, the amount of time that the ball is in star players hands is greater than it ever has been. And they are taking more shots than they ever have. So that's, 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 yeah. I mean, to answer the question, yeah, I, I would expect it's going to happen and I don't think it's going to take very long before it does. It's it's honestly it's happening whether we want it to happen or not. Yeah. It feels like I mean you saw what Lillard did to that you know disastrous Houston defense, and there are some defenses that they just stand no chance against the officiating nowadays. But when yeah. we're talking about some other storylines, and maybe this is just me, but like LeBron broke the scoring record this year, and I don't know if maybe it's because the Lakers are struggling, but mm-hmm. I just didn't feel like a record that big got as much coverage as it should have. Is that yeah. just me, or or what did you think on such a prestigious record being broken, and then, you know, everybody gets on with their lives? It is strange, uh, and and I'm not sure what I would put my finger on. I think some of the things that you mentioned are certainly contributing factors. The Lakers – um, I mean, they even the lost that not game. being very good, so, yeah. right? It was against Oklahoma City. It was in a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, I also feel like we considered a fait accompli that it was going to happen. Yes. And that unlike Steph breaking the three-point record, we're not – like I know there's people out there that think LeBron James is just as good as he's ever been. Like he's not. He's not mm-hmm. the same player. So we're sure. kind of seeing him – you know, it's a little bit like Cal Ripken Jr. setting the all-time consecutive games played record in Major League Baseball. You like, you knew it was going to happen, and but like, what did it really mean in the context of everything else? And then there's just the, like there's the polarizing aspect of LeBron James. There are people that are enthralled with everything that he's done, and then there's other people that not only are not enthralled, but they like they're mad at the people who are enthralled with LeBron because they think they overemphasize what, what he's done. Um, And then I think if one of the other, one of the other elements, quite honestly, is if, if LeBron had been, had done this in Cleveland and maybe in Miami, but like, this is his third stop. Yeah. And 
I can tell you uh, now living in LA, um, at least for the next five months, and knowing the LA Lakers fan base in a variety of ways, like they've never, there's a, there's a good part of that fan base. that's never fully embraced LeBron. Yeah. Makes sense. They just, he hasn't been what they hoped he would be. I mean, just a variety of reasons, right? You know, the whole Kobe LeBron thing. That'll always be a thing. You know, Kobe, his whole career as a Laker, it's, you can't like, step into those shoes and yes he did win a championship but unfortunately it's it's and it the wasn't bubble. there it was exactly. in orlando exactly yeah, they, they never got to viscerally feel that championship um so i i think that that's another factor is that like i was just you know i'm i, I wasn't in the building but i was watching the game and he got you know nice applause but it wasn't like the place went crazy and you you felt this like our guy and and then you know and then you got like the 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 kind of uh estranged relationship between him and kareem and yep. you know there's just a lot of awkwardness there that i think is the reason why it wasn't because i agree with you like when you think about what that record, how long that record has stood and what it what it stands for, you would think that in this day and age, I mean, I just, again, I, I just compare it to Steph breaking the all-time three-point record. Like, that was a, that was a big, yeah. big moment. And you felt like everybody That's joined in, like. right? This, I, so, I just felt like a week later, it was it was already, like, forgotten. And maybe that rolled into, like, LeBron getting two days, hurt. Two days later. Exactly. It was just – I know there's a lot going on in the world now, but I just felt like that record should have packed a bigger punch. But, you know, Rick, while I got you on, I got to take advantage of this. You know the Pacers, other smaller market teams, they don't get the coverage on national television. We all yeah. hope for it. But our yeah. guy, Tyrese Halliburton, I mean, he, he third-year yeah. player – just made his first All-Star game, coming off 40 points, 16 assists against the 76ers. What have you seen from Tyrese Halliburton that you've liked that, if you think about it, finding a true point guard in this league is one of the hardest things yes. to ask for. Well, that's the, that's the heart of it, is that he's he is a throwback, a true point guard, a pass-first point guard, and um, and cares about the defensive end of the floor. Like, I, I think he's a complete player – I, you know, I'm not saying this just because it's a Pacers-oriented podcast. Like, I, I, I love what the Pacers have. I'm a big like Benedict Matherin fan, huge Matherin fan. Um, I like Andrew Nemhart. I like Gonzaga players by and large coming into the league. So, um, collectively, like I, uh, there's a lot to like there, and. Um, and I think it's a great combination that you have uh, Halliburton with with Rick Carlisle. I think that's a that's a good match. I think that's going to allow Halliburton to uh, evolve. And so I, um, you know, what there's a lot that goes into keeping your own young players, how much you're paying your young players, um, all of that. That that small markets just inherently uh it's a challenge but i expect big things out of the pacers i mean i i just um uh if they can keep that core together 
uh, I would fully expect that uh, that they're going to be a perennial perennial playoff team for for the next you know for the foreseeable future based on what they have as young players. And I'm very excited to get back to that. We knew that this year was a very untraditional year for as as a Pacer fan because yep. they had been a mainstay in the playoffs for my whole entire life. Yep. You yep. know, may, maybe they're not uh, uh, an elite contender, but a ton of conference finals appearances, well, NBA yeah, finals. I mean, this is a reflection of the league. I had this conversation with with uh, with a GM, like the Pacers, the Jazz, uh, the Spurs, and Oklahoma City, all small market teams, uh, all perennial playoff teams for the last ten years or so, for the most part, mm-hmm. right? They, they never risked falling completely off. The San Antonio did back in the Tim Duncan, but that was like Most ever since years then, ago. not, yeah. right? And I feel as – and everybody expected Indiana and Utah and like all of them to be in the women Yana sweepstakes. Yeah. And I uh, appreciate that none of them did that. They didn't mm-hmm. go the process. And I think that ultimately – it's the right way to go because once you invite the idea that winning doesn't matter into your building, like you then have to get rid of every player associated with that because Mm -hmm. that little edge of we're either doing everything we can to win every game possible or we're not. Once you introduce, we're not guys are all getting paid millions of dollars. They're all like, they're all set. Like you're taking away you're saying it's if it's not important, well, okay, then it's not important. Then I'm not – I got enough reasons not to kill myself to win games. If you tell me my organization says it's okay, and then then, and then, then the next year – but now it's important. You're like – It's hard to, hard to flip okay, it back on. Important is it? And, and I think that <laughs> right? that's why the Houston Rockets have a big problem because they might need to clear out a lot of people because – there's a lot of dysfunction going on over there and where they've been for the 100%. last couple of years. It's, it's a major problem. You're going to have to do a lot of fixing internally if you want to turn that around. But while we're on the Pacers, before we end this, uh, you know, pretend you got your GM hat on. Now the Pacers have a young team about everyone's in, you know, average age, about 23 years old. Miles Turner has extended for two more years. Halliburton eligible yep. for a max extension, rookie max extension. He'll get that. But you have four draft picks in the top 31 for this year. Do you, A, use the picks knowing you're probably not going to be able to get everybody playing time? Do you consolidate the picks or do you look to trade some of those picks for a more established player to turn it around knowing that you can't really lure premier free agents to Indiana? Yeah, I'm probably translating those into, into another veteran player. Yeah, um, I, I think you guys are right at the cusp and um, I haven't checked the standings lately, but I, I, it's important to get those young players mm-hmm. playoff experience as soon as possible, because I don't really like as much as I might like Nemhart or I might like Matherin. I don't really know what I should pay them until I see them in the postseason. Yeah, that's a good point. Regular season doesn't tell me whether I should like break the bank or like um, overpay or outbid in order to keep that player. I need to know what they can do in the postseason because more teams have been just hamstrung by paying a guy off of his regular season um, 
you know, uh, accomplishments. And that, and honestly, that goes for Halliburton too. Like I need yeah. to know, yeah, it's one thing like uh, the assist turnover ratio, love it. You can run a team, you can win regular season games. Like, can you win a playoff series? That's, and, and can I look to you to win a playoff series? Then I'm, then I'm happy to give you the max. We hand out maxes like, Candy. you know, just because a guy's the best player on the team. Right? Exactly. And I got the the perfect player for you. That is Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal is a player that has not had playoff success, got handed the super max. Look at the Wizards right now. They're they're stuck being forced to try and compete because you're paying them over $40 million a year. They, they, they got no direction at all. So that's a problem. I used to live in the Washington, D.C. area. And I mean, it's all people were talking about. What are we doing? But they had to pay him because he put up 30 points per game in the regular season. Now everyone's doing it. Yeah. But before yeah. we sign off, I would love to get an NBA Finals preview from you. And who do you see? <laughs> well, I said at the beginning of the year it was going to be the Bucs and the Clippers. Okay. With the Bucs winning. Um, I'm going to stay with my Bucks pick. I like that one. The Western Conference, pick. honestly, is, is uh, you know, I'm, I'm off the Clippers. Um, I, on paper, talent-wise, like, I, they have it all. But what they don't have is leadership. And I'm not, at this point, I'm not believing that it's going to turn. I, I'm, I guess I got to go with the Phoenix Suns by default right now. Um, not a whole lot of confidence in that either. I think it's really going to come down to who sees who when and, uh, and, and the particular matchups and who you have to go through. Um, I'm not going to completely close the door on the Golden State Warriors just because they're sleeping on them though. They're I, in the fifth spot right now, which is not a bad <laughs> spot to be in. They scare me. Uh, they, they scare me just because they can't win on the road and their young guys don't perform on the road. And, but, you know, unless they move up significantly, they're going to have to win some road games in a pl- to win a playoff series. And so that's where I have I, I have my doubts. Um, so I'm going to say Phoenix and, and Milwaukee, the, 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 whoever it is, Boston or Milwaukee, the, the winner is going to come out of the East this year. And you know what's actually interesting is if it is Phoenix and Milwaukee – while the teams look a little bit different, that is a rematch from a couple of years ago. Yep. So, yep. you know, yep. maybe another yep. rivalry is starting. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. But there you out go. West between the Grizzlies, uh, the Kings, it's a little, the Nuggets, a little bit hard to buy into if they're contenders or or not. So it is a little bit open. I mean, what if the, the Warriors fall to six and they draw, you know, the Kings in the first round? Yeah. A Kings team that hasn't been there, anything could happen. Yeah. I mean, generally, teams that haven't been there before and I'm just you know anybody any player who has never been to the playoffs before and I've talked to any number of them like they just never could imagine how much harder the game is how much more exhausting it is how much more attention to detail there is and that's the one thing that the Warriors have in their locker room is they have a core that know exactly what it takes and how to prepare and what not to do. And that's all brand new for the Kings. You know, that's uh, so I just feel like that's where as good as those teams, as much potential as they have, or on paper, you'd go, Hey, they're, well, they're a better team. They do this better and do this better. That, that, that postseason experience is invaluable. 
it's a whole nother beast. So I can't wait for that. We're getting very close. But, Rick, as we sign off, I definitely want to thank you once again for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Tell everybody where they could find you on social media. And please plug some of the awesome content that you're putting out. Yeah, it's uh, at Rick Bucher, R-I-C-B-U-C-H-E-R. You can find me there at on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my writings, foxsports.com, on the ball podcast. Uh, you can find wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, FS1, I think it's uh, 29, channel 219 on uh, uh, on DirecTV. And uh, well, let's see, you guys are East Coast time right now. Yep. So 4.30 to 6, Monday through Friday. Hey, check them out. Rick, one of the best in the business. Definitely appreciate you, Rick. We'll have to do it again sometime soon. Sounds good. You got it, Michael. All right. We are back. Shout out to Rick Buecher himself coming on the show today. A lot of fun. You can honestly, when we brought up the Pacers and Tyrese Halliburton, Rick, he got excited. I mean, this this is someone that you know, seems to be, he was obviously very familiar with Benedict Mather and Andrew Denmark, which you always love to see because you know how it is, guys. The Pacers were not getting talked about as much on national television as anyone would like. It's just something that, unfortunately, does not happen. Always, you know, you're going to hear about your Lakers. You're going to hear about you know, the, the Celtics and a few other teams. But it was awesome to see Rick so excited to talk about the direction of the Pacers, what they have going on. And the guy obviously thinks the world of Tyrese Halliburton. So, uh, I enjoyed that conversation. But if you guys want to check us out on social media, you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at SettingThePace. You can find us on TikTok at SettingThePace. And you can check us out on YouTube at YouTube.com slash SettingThePace, a Pacers podcast. And... If you are excited to get some sort of clarity on which direction these Indiana Pacers are going in, is it the play-in? Is it looking for a better draft pick? Then you got to hit me with these three words. Let's go, Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We going to need a mop. Smooth. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.